Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm John Tucker, the Bloomberg Newsroom, and this Bloomberg Business Flash. A 10-year Treasuries, they are climbing in price. The yield, of course, going in the other direction amid lingering unease over North Korea's plans for a ballistic missile launch. And then Hurricane Therm- Herma, uh, Irma, that is, that is threatening a region already uh, dealing with the devastation from Hurricane Harvey. We have West Texas Intermediate crude oil climbing for a third day because the refineries, some of the refineries are finally back uh, processing the crude. So the demand's there. Uh, NYMEX crude up 2.8 percent, up a dollar 35. This is West Texas at 48.64. A barrel. Uh, Comex Gold was uh, up $17.40 an ounce, $13.4780, an ounce, a rise of 1.3%. Dow Jones Industrial Average down 239 points, a decline of about 1% right now. S&P 500 down 22 points. That's now down nine-tenths of a percent. And that has the composite index, 69 points lower down 1%. We check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. Now back to Bloomberg Markets and Lisa Abramowitz. Thank you so much, John Tucker. It is 1148 in the Bay Area, 248 on Wall Street. And it's time now for the commentary. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. In the early 1950s, federal income tax receipts from corporations added up to almost 6% of GDP. This year, that will probably be just 1.7%, even though corporate profits are almost identical as a share of GDP to what they were then. What happened? First, tax rates went down, from a top rate of 52% in the 1950s to 35% now. Second, U.S. corporations went global, and the profits they earn overseas don't get taxed here until they're brought home. Third, and most important, the standard corporate income tax-paying corporation has been giving way to pass-through entities that don't pay such taxes. These S-corporations, limited liability companies, and the like, now account for almost 40% of business revenue, up from 13% in 1980. That's a big shift, and not necessarily a good one. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time and also at 5.48 a.m., 8.48 a.m. and 11.48 a.m. Wall Street time. This is Bloomberg. After a rather slow August in some places, it has gotten off with a bang September, the first day of trading, uh, of the, right after Labor Day anyway. We're seeing a huge rush of bond issuance come to market. I would love to get the thoughts of Peter Cheer, head of macro strategy at Breen Capital, which is based in Connecticut and always uh, full of insights, an important voice to listen to. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to get your sense on why we're seeing such a rush of bond sales. Uh, led, of course, by Apple, which is coming back for the seventh time so far this year for more money from bond investors. Yeah, I think it's a couple things. Um, August really started off fast. We had about $90 billion of IG issuance in the U.S. up until about August 17th. For the rest of the month, there was only $9 billion. So I think there's a lot of pent-up demand from issuers to supply you know, bonds to the market. And at the same time, 
Yields are very low. The 10-year Treasury yield, you know, today's at 210. Credit spreads remain low. If I look at the CDS indices, it's around 59 or 60 basis points. So you've got this combination of really cheap potential bond yields, potential demand, and a lack of supply for the last two weeks. So I think it's going to fill in very, very quickly, despite the lack of clarity from D.C. Well, and, and when you say despite the lack of clarity, I mean, listen, I totally get if you're a company, if you're a treasurer there, you issue bonds now. It is the time, especially if you have an investment grade rating. It makes complete sense from any treasurer's perspective. What makes less sense to me is from the corporate bond buyer's perspective, because you're getting very low yields and you're heading into a period that promises to be more volatile than the sleepy months that were, uh, that, that, were, that started the year off. I think that's largely true, except I think in the investment grade space in particular, there's this constant, the coupons are coming in, so those need to be invested. You've got maturities constantly occurring, so that needs to be reinvested. And then at the pension fund money, there's money being allocated every quarter, every month to pension funds, and that has to be invested somewhere. So unlike high yield, where no one is kind of obligated to invest in high yield, there's a lot of corners of the market, particularly in IG, that get rolling cash flows that just have to be put to work. So that two weeks where we didn't see the supply, that some of that cash is just going to get put to work, and people may have to plug their nose a little bit at the yields they're getting, but they still have to invest. You know, uh, Peter, I was looking at some of the volumes in derivatives trading, and I'm going to get a little wonky, but it makes it has a it's for a broader point. Um, there was a real complacency earlier in the year, and people really weren't trading credit derivatives all that much. But volumes have really come up in the past few weeks. Do you take this as a sign that investors are starting to be a little more concerned, are willing to give up a little bit of their return to hedge against some volatility and potential losses? Is that your interpretation as well? Yeah, I see it that way. I think this is often a leading indicator of potential weakness where investors who hold bonds or maybe they don't want to sell their bonds because it was so hard to buy bonds for a while that they're very reluctant to hit a bid and then have to try and buy back their bonds later. So as a hedge, they will go to the CDS market. That tends to work for a little while, and then what we either find is this will resolve itself, credit markets will go well, and the hedges will come off. Or you're going to start seeing that bleed out to real concern where people get forced to sell bonds. And I think the liquidity in the bond market, it's still a little bit sketchy. If you need to sell something that's a bit off the run, the bid offer is fairly wide. Well, and so, Peter, let's talk about what could prompt people to want to sell. So far, there's been a relatively muted response to what we've seen uh, with the escalating tensions coming from North Korea. This surprises me, and I'll tell you why. It's not necessarily the specter of nuclear war, but certainly trade relations between the U.S. and China uh, have gotten tenser as this has gone on. Uh, what's the what, what could be sort of the catalyst for a true market sell-off at this point? So right now, I think there's two things that could really drive a credit market sell-off. One is if Irma hits and you continue to see more damage, that could really hit the insurance issuers and even some of the financials. So that would push credit spreads wider because financials still represent about a third or more of the overall credit market. So if you have a lot of demands for issue for them to make payments on claims, that could push it wider. And then the other thing I've been tracking for the last year or so is there's definitely a correlation between VIX or the volatility index and credit spreads. And credit spreads can do very well when VIX or volatility is low. As that increases, you'll tend to see credit spreads widen. It tends to move that correlation. So you're seeing VIX move up a little bit today on the back of North Korea. I think if that continues, that will put some pressure on credit spreads. So you don't think that it's going to have anything to do with North Korea, potential of war? You think that that's just basically background noise for most traders? 
I think that would be another way of if it drives out, you know, volatility, that could be, or if it really does start driving trade problems. So far, people seem willing to believe that this is just a lot of posturing on both sides and that nothing much will come out of North Korea. So I think the focus today has been more domestic despite, um, you know, the North Korea headlines. A lot of traders I'm talking to are really looking at Irma and getting concerned about the potential for damage and a slowdown from that, much more so than North Korea, which given the people involved, particularly North Korea, I think it's a wild card. You want to pay attention. So I like being cautious here. I've been cautious for the last week or so. I like owning some treasuries, and I like being short risk assets. So which risk assets in particular? In 30 seconds, what are your top shorts right now? I think I would avoid HYG for the high-yield space, um, the leverage loans, and I'd avoid financials right now. I think financials are overdone in terms of regulation hope. I think the volume slowdown we've seen is going to impact the money market banks. Flattish yield curves is going to affect all banks, and loan growth is not hitting what people wanted it. So I think we're going to see disappointment from the banks and financials and earnings coming in Q3. Peter Cheer, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, truly a pleasure speaking with you. Peter Cheer is head of macro strategy at Breen Capital, based in Connecticut. Insurers are one-third of the entire credit market. So if Hurricane Irma does hit and does have recoveries that uh, rival those of Hurricane Katrina, that could be painful. Lots of lots of chew over. Shorting junk bonds, shorting junk loans, bearish. I'm Lisa Abramowitz in for Carol and Corey. This is Bloomberg.